Imagine this. You've been trying to get your music career going since you were 14. Now you're 34. Just when it seems that it'll never happen, you get connected with one of the people who founded Duran Duran. He's currently producing Robbie Williams' album, but he's offered to help you write and record your album. Suddenly, you've got an album that's not only entirely listenable, it's getting rave reviews. MTV has even licensed the whole thing, every single song, for their TV shows. Now, your songs are on TV, you have a band, and you're playing the venues you always dreamed of playing. After a while, it seems momentum is slowing on achieving your musical goals. You've got a young family, and money just gets more and more important. Just when it seems that things aren't going to get any better, your youngest son shows you a new app that lets you make short looping videos. You mess around and before you know it, you're backstage in California on the same bill as Grumpy Cat? So who are you and what changed the game for you? Let's find out. You're listening to Game Changers, the podcast series with Brittle Star. Hi, this is Brittle Star. Well, that's not my real name. My real name's Stuart Reynolds, but uh, people know me better as Brittle Star, so we'll just keep it at that. This is my podcast series called Game Changers. And Game Changers is about the people, places, and opportunities that have changed the game for people. What I set out to do was to talk to some notable people to see just what it was that turned things around for them or opened doors. I'm fascinated by this concept. Is it just luck? Or is it hard work that pays off? Or is it just the perfect storm? What is it that happens that makes success suddenly attainable for these people? I'm going to talk to some really interesting people from various backgrounds and careers. And we're going to see just what it was that changed the game for them. So as you heard in the intro, I've had a few game-changing moments. For a long time, I was working on music and had bands in high school and I had lots of songwriting experience as I was growing up and into my 20s, but nothing really caught on. And when I was in my 30s, I thought to myself, well, this is it. I'm going to have to do something. I mean, if I want to actually make music, I'm going to have to make a conscious effort to actually release something and actually make something. It just felt like I was running out of time, but I wasn't sure exactly where to start. As chance would have it, I saw that Stephen Duffy, Stephen Tintin Duffy, you might know him as, or Stephen Duffy from The Lilac Time, was looking for some help on his website. At the time, I was doing a lot of web development work. So I emailed and offered my help. He graciously accepted, and we kind of struck up a bit of a back-and-forth email relationship. Then I snuck in the idea that I would like his help in recording an album. We could do it all remotely. I would just send him stuff by email and he'd send back his thoughts and notes and such. And he would never put his life in danger being in the same room as a stranger like me. The idea was that he could do it all arm's length and it'd be quite tidy. So he did. To my absolute surprise, he did. And he did this while he was producing and songwriting with Robbie Williams, who was arguably one of the biggest stars in the world at the time. Robbie Williams doesn't get a lot of credit in the U.S. or Canada, but everywhere else in the world, he's massive. So this was a huge deal that the producer of this massively successful artist was 
going to help me write and record my sort of first debut record. Didn't seem to make sense. But the interesting thing is that what it did for me is it made me take myself slightly more seriously. I had sent some demos over to Stephen and he liked them and seemed to be somewhat impressed by them, which was great. At least I think maybe I'd set the bar so low or maybe because I was a stranger, he was thinking, well, it's going to be terrible and they weren't terrible. So that was a pleasant surprise for him. And I think that he, you know, he, he was able to say, okay, let's go forward with this. Let's actually do this. And the fact that he said, okay, let's do this and wanted to move forward and took me seriously was a real kind of eye opener for me. It kind of, it made me think that, oh, okay, well, I'm not just that, you know, 14 year old kid who's like just dreaming of making music. I'm now this guy who's in his mid thirties with a family and a house and all that stuff. And I've got one of the biggest record producers in the world now interested in working with me. It made me, again, take myself more seriously. And in doing that, I kind of upped my game. And it made me think that more things were attainable. So once we did the record, I thought, well, let's send it around. Let's get it, you know, into different hands and see what they think. I was less afraid of doing that because I thought, well, if he thought I was okay, then maybe other people do too. So I sent it around to various places and it got really well reviewed, which was great. Then I sent it off to the production company, Bonham Murray, that works with MTV, And they wrote back and said, we'd like to license this whole thing. So they did. And suddenly I was making money for making music. So from there, I decided to actually create a band because I had made the whole record essentially by myself. But I thought, we need to take this live. And the confidence that I got from the fact that Steven had said it was worthwhile doing and that I had something there made me think, okay, I can take myself more seriously. So I was less afraid to approach other musicians. And from there, I was less afraid to approach clubs and the various places and venues that I wanted to play. I was fine with it. We even played a big music festival with lots of other well-established acts. The local paper did a story on me playing the, the music festival. And I spoke like I was the biggest star in the world, not in a cocky way or an arrogant way, but just in that manner that was like, well, it's already been established that I know what I'm doing, so I don't have to be afraid about this. I can just enjoy it and have fun. And all of that stemmed from the fact that Stephen Duffy said, yeah, you know, let's do this. So that was a huge game-changing moment for me. It made me see myself in much larger terms. It made me see myself in a case of, well, you know what, I don't have to, even though that voice in my head is telling me that I'm no good or that I, you know, I'll never be good enough, apparently I am. In some way or form, I'm, I'm good enough. Um, I made a couple of other albums, but nobody cared. And it was at, the, at that time that the CD was dying, so making money in music was getting harder and harder. And suddenly I found myself back doing just regular web development stuff and away from all the excitement of music and that type of thing. And I was ready to sort of give up and just kind of settle into that, you know, non-entertaining way of life where you just kind of get up and do your thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just, I never thought I would end up there. I thought I would be entertaining. And we had lots of bills and there was lots of money issues and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of thought, well, this is it. This is, this is the way things go. And then one day, our youngest son, Gregor, uh, we have two sons, Owen and Gregor. Gregor actually came to me and said, check out this app. It's an app called Vine. And Vine lets you record six and a half second looping videos that you could then upload 
onto your Vine account and then share through Twitter. So it was kind of like a video version of Twitter. It was like really short. It was very immediate. There was no, at the time, there was no editing on the platform itself. You couldn't upload videos. You had to just make it in the moment. So it was really fun and really sort of, you know, challenging and uh, a fun way to spend time. So we messed around with it and I messed around with it myself and kind of got a little bit better and made some stupid videos and eventually made a video called Put Your Finger on the Screen that went viral. And uh, it went super viral. Within 24 hours, we were headed on our way to a million views and I'd gone up over 100,000 followers on the app. Put your finger on the screen right here and wiggle it up and down. I did two more videos like immediately after that because I thought I have to cash in on this opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity and I have to cash in. And so I did and the videos did really well. Um, not as big as the first put your finger on the screen video, but almost as big. And within a month of doing that, I got this tweet sent to me saying, hey, listen, could you please send me an email I work for Disney, and uh, we'd like to bring you down to California. And I didn't believe it. I thought this is crazy. But I followed up and checked into it, and it was legit. And then within another month or so, we found ourselves in California. My whole, myself and my family were suddenly in California. And suddenly I'm backstage uh, at Disneyland with Grumpy Cat, <laughs> as well as a bunch of other uh, you know, social media creator types. And it was really weird because I knew all their faces and I knew, you know, I, I was excited to see people. There's the guys from Convos with my two-year-old, Matt and David were there. That was super exciting. Um, just a really cool selection of people, you know, Mike Tompkins, that type of thing. And it was kind of my second big game-changing moment because it made me think, okay, here's another opportunity. I can do something with this. What I'm doing is worthwhile having fun with. So let's just run with it. And that's the thing I find so interesting about these game-changing moments, and that's why I wanted to do this podcast series, is that I think in life, you are presented with these game-changing moments that can really just open doors for you. And they can, If they don't open doors, they can open your mind to something else, just to change a perception. And it can really have tremendously positive impacts on you. But I think when we look at successful people, we don't necessarily understand that they have been in the same situation. They've been in those situations where they were waiting for these moments to arrive or they didn't know if they would ever arrive. So what I wanted to do with Game Changers, the podcast series, was to talk to those people, the people who have already gained some type of success in whatever field they're in, and find out what were their game-changing moments. What were the game-changers for them? So I hope you enjoy this podcast series. And I hope that you get some inspiration from it. And I hope that you pay attention to the game-changing moments in your life and live the best life you could possibly wish for. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. I'll be adding more interviews as I do them uh, here to this podcast series. And you'll just be able to find them here. But for now, go right ahead and uh, binge them. You know, enjoy. You've been listening to Game Changers, the podcast series with Bristle Star. 